The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Thanks, Chadville, for a great last hour. Great conversation. No Thank kidding. you for sharing uh, all of your memories. Uh, we might touch on it uh, again coming up in just a little bit, but right now I know a lot of you are very interested in our next conversation. Work continues on the development of a massive medical marijuana facility near the Edmonton Airport. And the official groundbreaking for the Aurora Cannabis Project took place in June, and the plant dubbed Aurora Sky may be producing medical marijuana by the end of this year. To find out where things stand, we're joined by Cam Batley, the Executive Vice President of Aurora Cannabis. Thanks for joining us, Cam. It's my pleasure. Hey, so I'm curious to know a little bit about the history of Aurora. How long has it been around? Where it all started? Uh, Because, you know, I think a lot of folks know that this facility is being built, but have no idea about the history behind it. So Aurora is an Alberta-born success story. Our first production facility is in Cremona, about an hour north of Calgary. And uh, that's been operating now for a couple of years. Uh, and when it was built, it's 55,000 square feet. And when it was built, it was one of the largest cannabis production facilities, not just in Canada, but in the world. Wow. And of course, now it's dwarfed by the size of our Aurora Sky facility at Edmonton International Airport, which is 16 times the size. It's 800,000 square feet, so about the size of 16 football fields. Wow. And actually, that's where I am right now. Oh. I just got back about 10 minutes ago from a helicopter tour over our facility doing an inspection. Wow. So I'm at... Edmonton International Airport right now. So, you know, you'll have to uh, walk us through this a little <laughs> For, bit. Forgive our ignorance yeah. on some of this, Cam, will you? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, pure uh, pure innocent interest on our part. But uh, so are these facilities, the one that's in operation in Cremona, the one that you're building, are these specifically and exclusively for medical marijuana or are you, uh, you, you waiting for marijuana to be legalized? You know, it's a really interesting story because when I got into this sector three years ago, I spent my entire career in biotechnology and pharmaceuticals. And I joined what was very specifically a medical cannabis sector. And then a new federal government was elected and they had promised to uh, legalize cannabis for consumer use with very clear policy objectives. They decided that what they wanted to do was legalize it, uh, restrict it, and regulate it as a way of reducing youth access as a way of cutting off the black market and ensuring that the profits did not go to criminal organizations, as a way of uh, reducing the social harms associated with criminalization and prohibition, and also to open up a brand new industry uh, to economic development and investment and employment. And all of that is happening right now, and it's made Canada the world leader in this space. So I got into a medical cannabis sector. (laughs) Today what we're looking at is both a medical cannabis business and as of July next year, a consumer cannabis business as well for adults. Interesting. going to ask you this question, and I'll be the one to ask it. Sure. Uh, can you give us an idea, um, Cam, what the difference is between the marijuana that I smoked in college and what you're producing? A lot of differences, uh, starting with the fact that you didn't know what was in the cannabis that you smoked back in college. No. None of us did. Uh, probably didn't know what the strain was, probably didn't know where it came from. Uh, Now, today, through our medical cannabis system, we're treating cannabis as a medicine, as an herbal medicine. So we're highly regulated by Health Canada, inspections every second month, uh, and very detailed regulations that we have to follow in terms of the purity, uh, in terms of what we're allowed to do to put on the plant, which is very little. 
and at Aurora specifically, we use zero pesticides, uh, and we don't even use gamut irradiation on our products. So what we produce today at our existing production facility north of Calgary and what we will be producing uh, at Aurora Sky here at Edmonton International Airport is the purest cannabis ever produced. So that's one very big difference. Second thing is, hey, it's legal. And so yeah. what we're doing, we are a publicly listed company. Mm-hmm. And at, at the same time as we're producing medical cannabis that's used by cancer patients and people with chronic pain and people with sclerosis and epilepsy, at the same time as we're doing that, and at the same time as we're getting ready to displace a massive underground illegal unregulated market for cannabis in this country, we're also creating a heck of a lot of shareholder wealth. And when I look back, I can't believe it. I joined this company in March of 2016. And the market capitalization or the value of all of the issued and outstanding shares of Aurora is about $70 million. And today, we're hovering around a billion dollars. Wow. That's happened hmm. in you know, 15, 16 months. And that is how quickly this industry is developing. It's been a fascinating ride and some of the most creative and interesting and engaging work I've ever done in my career. One of the things that I did not know about medical marijuana, and to be honest with you, a number of our listeners have been trying to um, enlighten us over the past uh, year or so, is about like different strains and that sort of thing, that, that you can go in and pick um, a strain of... Uh, cannabis, medical marijuana, whatever you're calling it, that would specifically um, help your specific um, needs, your your hurts, whatever it is. And I, I had no idea that 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 was a thing um you know i just thought it was you know a plain old straight out whatever you're smoking that they give you how does that very work briefly, cam yeah very briefly let me give you a quick tour of cannabis first of all it is a fascinating plant um there are dozens of cannabinoids these are, these are the active pharmaceutical ingredients in cannabis so you know we all hear about thc mm-hmm. which uh, has has a number of medical uses but it's also associated with the euphoria, the reason why you know people smoke it in college. Um, but there's also, uh, you know, the second most common cannabinoid in cannabis is called CBD or cannabidiol, and it is a non-psychoactive cannabinoid. Okay. And uh, patients use it for pain relief and anti-inflammation. And oddly enough, uh, although we produce a full range of strains of cannabis, our single most in-demand strain is our canatonic strain, which is high in CBD, actually the highest in the market, and has virtually no THC. So our single highest in-demand strain uh, does not contain THC. Uh, so it is a fascinating plant with very, very hmm. broad medical utility you know, for bowel disease, for spasticity associated with multiple sclerosis. Uh, and, and probably the single largest use for it is for management of chronic pain. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and that's not just for our company, but for use of medical cannabis across the country. So you don't get the high with that one? Happened, sorry, go ahead. So you don't get high, like the... No, there's, okay. no, there's no high associated with okay. cannabidiol. Okay. Um, See, it's interesting because that, when you... The t- one thing I want to tell you about yeah. is that, that that's happening right now that is that has me very excited is that Canada is leading the world to such an extent that I think we should all be quite excited. So we have the best developed and most successful medical cannabis system in the world with about a quarter of a million Canadians now have a prescription for medical cannabis from their physician. Uh, And we're getting ready to implement the consumer system for all the right policy reasons. But what's happening right now that's changing things is that the world is opening up and 
companies like Aurora, a handful of Canadian large licensed producers, are expanding throughout the world. So right now, Germany is opening up its medical cannabis system, and only Canadian companies and one company in the Netherlands that, that are nationally regulated by their home countries can participate in that market. And if you think about it, Canada is a market of 35 million people. Uh, Germany is a market of 80 million people. And Germany is the linchpin country in the EU. And I suspect that you will see uh, the other countries in the European Union fall like dominoes over the next 24 to 36 months. And that's a market of 500 million people. We are right at the very beginning of a very exciting area of Canadian leadership. And there are no competitors, and very specifically, no U.S. competitors, because mm-hmm. cannabis remains federally illegal in the U.S. So right now, for a handful of Canadian licensed producers like Aurora, the world is our oyster. Hmm. So I have to ask, and I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to frame this up and not have you hang up on me. So <laughs> when we're talking about uh, this facility and uh, the wealth that, uh, oh, first of all, the amount of money that's been invested in these facilities, the amount of investment wealth that's already been derived from these, but the conversation always goes back to medical marijuana. But that investment, I would think, is not because of the medical marijuana, it's because of the potential for the replacement of a black market product. So my question then is, what percentage of what that facility by the Edmonton Airport will produce do you anticipate to be for medical marijuana purposes, and what percentage is to replace that black market? I'm not sure we can break it down that simply. What I will say is this, um, if the total market for medical cannabis in Canada alone is anticipated to be in excess of $2 billion a year. For the consumer, the adult consumer market, it's anticipated to be over $10 billion a year. And then if you layer on top of that the opportunities that we have in Europe, in Australia, in other countries, um, it's, it's, you know, we're we're working on various iterations of, of the word big as to how large that market will be. Okay, so then that leads me to my next question, which is obviously, I mean, you don't have to be good at math to figure out which market is potentially the most profitable. Your your investment in this facility and the money that your investors have put into this facility are based almost solely on a promise by a politician. Um, Does that keep you up at night? Or or, (laughs) or, 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 as far as you're concerned, this is a done deal. Uh, Marijuana is going to be legal. So two things. Um, I don't lose any sleep about that, uh, first of all, because the federal government has been remarkably clear and consistent, uh, both with respect to its policy objectives on legalizing adult consumer use in Canada and also on the timeline. They've said very firmly again and again, it's by July of next year. Uh, and they even have a plan B if some provinces aren't ready to implement a retail system. Uh, that plan B being expansion of the e-commerce or mail order system, which is currently used for medical cannabis. The other thing is, uh, you know, even if, even if Canada did not move, and it will, even if Canada did not move to legalize adult consumer use, uh, the, the size of the medical cannabis markets that are opening up in the next few years in Europe and elsewhere around the world uh, dwarf that. Uh, so there is massive demand uh, that, that we have to continue to expand to meet, uh, both for medical cannabis and for consumer cannabis. And and the fast, 
fact, our CEO, Terry Booth, who's an Edmonton boy, has really timed this well. Uh, you know, he made a bet early on after the Trudeau Liberals were elected that this, in fact, would go ahead. Uh, and he's been proven a visionary here. But more than that, he's led us to expand into international markets. We're now invested in Australia. We own 20% of Australia's first licensed producer of medical cannabis. And we just acquired Germany's largest medical cannabis distributor. And that allows us to participate in the German market. And very soon after that, additional European markets. So we've got a very big head start on virtually everybody else around the world. Do you have any concerns with how the, the federal government is handling this? You know, they have been responsible. They have been consistent. They've consulted from one end of the country to the other. And I've sliced and diced this very carefully to try and understand if they were trying to do this for reasons of popularity or to create a wedge issue. And I keep coming to the same conclusion. They're doing this because it's good public policy. So my hat's off to the government, the way they're handling this file. They've really been very professional and rational and consistent about it. Uh, Cam, there must have been and probably continues to be, though, some resistance to this idea. What kind of challenges along those lines have you faced? I'll tell you uh, something interesting. Um, they call me the squarest guy in the cannabis business uh, <laughs> because I come from a biotech and pharma background and because I've been a scout leader for nearly a decade and I coach both my kids' soccer teams. And I'm not the first guy that you think of when you think of cannabis. And when I first got into this sector in 2014, I was a little uncomfortable sometimes talking about what I was doing. I believed in it, but I didn't necessarily want to talk about it. Today, the parents of the kids that I coach uh, come up to me and say, hey, what's the latest? I saw you on TV talking about this. And that's an indication of just how much the stigma has lessened with respect to cannabis. And I think I know why that is. I mentioned earlier that we've got uh, about a quarter million people now with a prescription for medical cannabis. And so, so many Canadians now have a friend or family member who've used medical cannabis successfully for the management of the symptoms of a health condition. And I think it seems a lot less scary. So the days of reefer madness are past. <laughs> People see that cannabis is a substance with real medical utility and that also, quite frankly, is more benign than alcohol in terms of its individual health impact and in terms of its social impact. So attitudes are changing really, really fast. Cam Batley, the executive VP of Aurora Cannabis, joining us on the phone this afternoon. Curious, before we let you go, what's the status of the Edmonton plant right now? Uh, and are you hiring yet? Anything like that? Folks want to know. <laughs> uh, we're not hiring yet, but the status is um, things are really going well. Like I say, I was just touring it from the air uh, by a helicopter, and we've got more than a quarter million square feet up with glass on top. Uh, we're pouring concrete. Uh, the deep services, the water and the gas are nearly complete. Um, it's going up very, very quickly. So um, we're excited and we intend to have plants in this facility before the end of 2017. And we intend to complete the whole thing, the full 800,000 square feet or 16 football fields by the middle of next year. Hmm. I suppose I did say I would ask, we're pretty much out of time though. Uh, I imagine security has been something you've <laughs> put a little thought into. We always uh, think about security, and so at our Cremona site, we've got 24-hour on-site security, which is beyond what's required by Health Canada. Hmm. And at our Aurora Sky facility, well, we're located at the airport, so you can imagine the yeah. security is pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. how, how many plants would be in a, in a building that big? 
Oh, you're killing me. Um, you're asking me to do math off the top of my head. Um, let's, let's say a lot, but I will tell you this, that uh, each of the growing days uh, at our new facility mm-hmm. uh, will be larger than the entire growing space that we have currently at our existing facility <laughs> north of Calgary. Hey. It's, the scale is just enormous. It's the largest in the world by far. Wow. Cam, thank you for joining us this afternoon and shedding some light on this huge project uh, out at the Edmonton uh, International Airport. It's been fascinating. I look mm-hmm. forward to talking to you again uh, in the future. Thank you so much. It'll be a pleasure to talk to you again. Bye-bye. It was an interesting conversation, informative, Yeah. I learned a lot. I'd like to go on a tour of that place and pick their brains mm, all afternoon. Pick their brains, their right? Brains, yeah. Yes. There's no. no parting gifts from that one, just so you know. I'd probably scan you and search you on yeah, the way back. Yeah, I'm not up. too worried about that. Huh. Uh, hey. Uh, and yes? be, uh, one of our listeners, mm-hmm. um, a couple, what's a year ago, actually, they're in my desk drawer, but actually a couple sent of our me. our listeners are in your desk drawer. They sent me something that's in my desk drawer, and oh, it was like what? a. I, I think it's called Satvia. It's a part of the 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 plant that they make an oil out of, and which is supposed to help. It's an oil capsule. Sativa. Sativa. Mm. Sorry, don't know sat, sativa. Jesperson corrected me on that on me once before too. Sativa. That explains why uh, Kelsey Campbell's dogs are always alerting by your desk. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because there's nothing I there. It was respect. No, it's just uh, yeah. And, and they said you know take this for you know uh, all sorts of different. Oh. Ailments and and whatnot. So huh. yeah, people. Yeah, lots of folks believing in in the medical marijuana field and sativa. I don't know what sativa. What is sativa? It's another part of it or something. So. All right. Well, once again, here I felt fully informed, and then you throw out this new. So, yeah. Sativa. I'll show it to you. I'll show. Bring that. Sure. Jar. Sounds like a car. <laughs> sativa car. 2017 Sativa. Rolls along slowly. Sativa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but it's so comfortable. Uh, you know what? I feel like this was sort of on our list. I know we've only got a couple of minutes before we check uh, headlines. But, you know, uh, come Monday or Tuesday, I suppose, um, when all the election signs start hitting all mm. the boulevards. And I know from previous elections that uh, listeners always ask, what are, hey, the wait, what are the rules, right? Because it seems like there's too many of them. And I thought with the minute and a half or two minutes I have here, I'll tell you what the rules are. Now, you've already seen election signs out. That's because that's legal. They, as long as the they have the permission of the property owner. So it's on personal right. property on fences and property, that sort of thing. So fences, front lawns, uh, wherever you see them now, that's legal. Where they can't be until Labor Day, uh, municipal or school board property. So they can't be on city property, public land, in other words. And there's some other rules. Um, They must be 30 meters away from any intersection with traffic uh, signals, 3 meters from any curb. They cannot be in traffic circles, and they cannot be off major arterial roadways like Anthony Henday or Grote Road. Other rules, uh, there's a lot of them, are posted on the city's website if you want to see all the rules, but those are probably the big ones. And the city says peace officers are going to step up enforcement this year uh, if a sign is where it shouldn't be. Uh, that candidate could earn themselves a $250 fine. Mm. And one of the requirements this election that's not been there in the past is that every Is to take them down? <laughs> well, that's another rule. They have to be down within three days of the election. Three days, folks. Right. I always, three. I always thought the Elections Act said it, it couldn't be, they couldn't still be there on election day, but they must have changed it. So it's three days after the election. But what they're asking all, or have asked 
required of all candidates now is that they have a sign captain, a person who is responsible specifically for the signs for that candidate, and the city must have that name and that phone number. Oh, good. Right, so that if they find somebody in violation, they know exactly who to phone. Good, and you know what? That sign captain needs to keep track of where every sign went on some sort of list. They're on this corner, they're on this place, they're That's on this place. That's a good place. idea as well, yeah. yeah. Just saying, oh, no, I didn't put it there. Aren't I always find the losing candidate signs tend to take the longest to come yeah. down. Yeah. Huh. I guess the winner wants to be responsible. The loser's like, eh, whatever. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.